1: and their essential love of justice.
2: Hi, welcome to the Kudzu Vine for October 6, 2019. I'm your host, David McLaughlin. Jimmy, as always, welcome Tim Shiflett.
0: Good evening, sir.
2: And filling in for Catherine Smith, who has one more week on her special assignment in Eastern Europe, uh, but I think she is back in the States, but joining us, a longtime friend of the show, Rome City Councilwoman, DNC member, Wendy Davis. Welcome, Wendy.
1: Thanks for having me, David.
2: All right. Uh, Great to have you. Well, um, Wendy, this past week, Tim and I, last Sunday, we did a one-topic show. Now, we're not going to do a one-topic show this week, but we're going to start off with that topic and discuss it a little bit. Now, Tim and I will probably try to think of a new thought or two. But we're also going to get your thoughts, and that is what has been going on with the whistleblowers. We know since last week there's now two whistleblowers. There may be even other countries that were asked to provide information, like Australia, like China. Um, Rick Perry may somehow be involved. Um, Republicans like Mitt Romney have even come out and been critical of Donald Trump. Uh, What are your thoughts, or what's your take on this whole mess?
1: Uh, well, mess is the right word for it. Um, it's uh, troubling, is the mild reaction to it, right? Yeah. Um, sorry. Uh, my dog is really bothered by it, too, as you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, what, and, and frankly, what's more troubling? It's, I wish I could say it was surprising that our current president of the United States feels like um, our uh, American resources in terms of aid for other countries um, are his little pawns on some chess game to help his uh, personal uh, political situation or to help his business situation. That's not surprising at all, uh, sad to say. Uh, But what is surprising is the number of people who are buying that um, this is Not anything to be troubled about, right? Uh, And Mitt Romney being like one of a handful of Republicans who've even made a peep about uh, the problem we have here. I am hopeful that uh, the whistleblower number one and whistleblowers number two uh, will be followed by people standing up in public and saying um, this ain't right. (laughs) And uh, here's chapter and verse on it. Uh, But it seems clear uh, that the president withheld, um, funds, uh, aid to Ukraine, uh, hoping to get them to, uh, have some investigation of Joe Biden's son. And, um, uh, that's, I mean, again, beyond troubling. I think it certainly, uh, rises to the level that, uh, Nancy Pelosi had to do what she did and, uh, move forward with impeachment, uh, that process. And I think that process needs to move forward and, um, and who knows what else we'll uncover. Uh, there's another whistleblower talking about the IRS uh, not treating the president and the vice president's um, tax records uh, the way that they're supposed to be treated. So um, there's, um, I mean, scandal after scandal, and, and we haven't even really started following the money. And I think that's where um, the real problems this president has in terms of his corruption are.
2: Yes, Tim, like I said, there's been a lot of new developments, new countries, a second whistleblower. Uh, they're trying to pin some of the blame now. it, it sounded like on Rick Perry, uh, that was kind of a, and he's going to resign, apparently in the coming week they feel, and John Bolton may even be somehow involved. We've learned a lot of new stuff. Kind of wish some of your thoughts on this week's um, information.
0: Well the the thing about the second whistleblower certainly is interesting cause apparently uh, the second person has far more should I say first hand knowledge of events surrounding the call and and all the other things going on with it than than the original whistleblower did um events are moving swiftly now as you mentioned house democrats of course have have now issued a subpoena to the White House, and along with the documents request to Vice President Pence, who has, you know, we were talking about it, it looked like Trump was purposely trying to drag him into that last week. Well, it looks like he's succeeded, and now vice the vice president's in this thing up to his uh, eyeballs. Uh, another thing that we like to watch on this show is is polling. And support for the impeachment inquiry is climbing and quickly. A poll of polls now shows that for the first time, a majority, 51 percent, are in favor of the impeachment inquiry and 44 percent are opposed. Historically, That is much higher than it was at this same point in both the Nixon and the Clinton inquiries. Um, So I think it's the deal there where Donald Trump, people either like him or they don't from the get-go, and it don't take but three or four points for the polling to move. Uh, in one direction or the other to make a significant uh, difference. Get this, guys, 46% now support removal from office, and 45% are opposed. It was never that high with Clinton. It never got out of the low 30s, and it never got— that high with Nixon until, oh, about a month before he resigned. Uh, So Donald Trump, I guess, is such a polarizing figure, plus the fact that he just very obviously has done something wrong here that everyone can see, and that very few, except his most ardent supporters, can deny. And one final piece of polling. Trump's overall approval rating ha- hasn't really changed through all of this. A lot to chew on.
2: Yes. Um, Wendy, now just let's just look at the Republican Party, not Donald Trump, not Mike Pence, but Republicans that you know seemingly are going to have to try to have a political career after Donald Trump's gone. Um, how much damage do you think they're doing to their legacy and their
1: well, I think I think long term, um, there I mean it's it's I, I can't see how it's anything other than a a black mark or a, a red circle. Oh my goodness, what happened to America here in the history book kind of thing and the Republicans are gonna have uh nowhere to hide, uh, because they have been complicit in all of this. And um and you know, you have um you know, the question now, you already had several Republican parties in states uh, across the country who had started uh, canceling their primary process uh, for the Republican nomination next year. Uh, and, and now you have in South Carolina, you have a, a congressman, former congressman, who is uh, suing about that. And I wonder if uh, if folks will start reversing that. And the three Republican candidates, I think, give my numbers right. There are three running against Trump. Uh,
2: they they have something to be shouting about now. Yeah, well, you, Wendy, since you kind of got us into that, let's we'll talk about that and we can come back. That was something that came out over the weekend. Tim had discussed that about you know states canceling their primary and how that seemed to be anti-democratic process. And we don't mean the party, we mean the you know having a democracy. And, and there is a threshold to where yes, there's really no candidates, so you. Um cancel Im have an incumbent president, but in this case, they had three other candidates and donald trump is is quite polarizing um even within the party there's a a lot of never trumpers that may be um still kind of laying low and and swallowing their their pride not talking um being somebody that's in the national committee for the Democratic party, what's your thoughts on? Where's that threshold for when you cancel a primary or when you have a primary, and and then I guess in this case, Republicans 2020 is that should that be the case?
1: Well, I mean, I think I think you hit the nail on the head. It's it's not Democratic with a little D, right? Um, uh, again, if you if you have uh, incumbent, I mean, I know there's a history of having an incumbent president who is up for reelection and there are no serious challengers and folks have canceled their primaries. I, in my mind, if, if there's anybody there, you need to have the election. Uh, you know, it's not going to be a, a very heavily contested thing, but you still have it. It's, it's part of our democracy. Uh, I don't think, you know, a handful of folks, uh, should be able to make that determination in, in these States. Uh, I find that actually pretty troubling, but, uh, But I also know that the the way the primaries or caucuses are done in each state, you know, varies widely.
0: Uh, Wendy, uh, Wendy, let let me jump in with a question uh, about this. Could you imagine the firestorm that would have happened in previous election cycles if the Democratic National Committee had... Had uh, basically moved into states as the Republican National Committee pretty much has, uh, and and just said, you know what, we're supporting the incumbent president. We're not even looking at any other candidates. No one else need apply. And to make sure we're canceling elections, could 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 you have imagined what would have been said if if y'all had done something like that?
1: well I, I mean to 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 be fair, some states did that for obama's second term right um but but i I can tell you from my short time that I've been on the d n c um we're we're not go along to get along kind of folks right we've got a lot of people yeah but, out there who, uh, who speak their mind and and have their mind yeah, and but, and a good many of us tend to be democratic with but, a little d first before that's windy.
0: But, Wendy, what if President Obama had had three announced opponents for the nomination, you know, former governors and congressmen and stuff like that, like this president does? Oh, <laughs> Could no. you have imagined I, I, what would have happened I, then?
1: <laughs> well, well, it, it, if anyone had been bold enough to try to make that happen, I think there would have been a lot of pushback on our side. I really do think there would have been a lot of pushback. But, but again, you're dealing with you know our the current occupant of the white house it, you know exhibits all the predominant characteristics of a bully and and the folks um in the national Republican leadership, such as it is i mean they're they're just telling the line, telling the line, telling the line and um and and maybe they were. Expecting that turmoil would arise And so they were trying to get ahead of it And sort of stack the deck Um, But but I think it'll be interesting To see if the deck starts getting a little Unstacked or reshuffled Mm.
2: Um, Well Tim let me ask you a question About this Bob Inglis he sued um, On behalf of apparently many South Carolina Republicans Will this make a difference or will they just Ignore him or do they think that he's you know, maybe friends with uh, Mark Sanford in this case?
0: No, I, 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 think, I think they're going to try to just ignore it. Uh, not, Not only has Trump made moves as president to basically just take over the whole national apparatus of the Republican Party, including the Republican National Committee, but they have gone into these individual states and gotten his people into all the leadership positions. And they pretty much can do anything they want to do. And, uh, you know, they they take a cue from their, their boss up there in Washington. He's made it very fashionable to basically say, you know, I'm going to do this. Now, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> and and basically, that's where we're at in South Carolina. If they decide to stick, uh, what do they do about it? Uh, now I know what? we're talking about the the court system too here, but you know the they 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 stuff the courts with their own people too. So so I I'm I'm of the opinion it's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to make any difference.
1: Well, I think, I think it will be interesting to see because – I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think because the courts are involved, that raises the stakes of it, and, um, and, and I don't know how they have uh, – I don't know. It will be interesting to see what arguments they use to justify their decision, right, um, because I imagine that those three can- other candidates in that race have probably gotten a little bit of a fundraising bump or help or whatever the right word is for it in this past week. So uh and particularly in South Carolina, I don't know how you can say the former government the former governor is not a credible candidate in that primary.
0: Mhm. Um, yeah. well I wouldn't say that, but apparently there there are many in the Republican Party that are saying that, because basically the president wants them to say that. And, uh, David, what do you think? Do you think it'll I, go anywhere?
2: I think you're unfortunately right that nothing will happen this time because Donald Trump seems seems to have a stranglehold on, um, you know, f- making all these folks in the Republican Party, or too many of them, fear him. I think... Little d democracy, the way we need to are our, our, our democratic. The way we need to approach these things is, if there was some way we could partner uh, the presidential primary with municipal elections, maybe you know, splossed or um, bond elections, some kind of apparatus where you could say, "Hey, we're not spending any extra money. We we're going to go to the polls anyway, and then we're going to vote for um, presidential nominees." both sides be it if there's a very popular incumbent president's running for election or if it's a, a you know wide open 30 person affair um like we had a few weeks ago on the democratic side either way we're going to have that primary along with this other thing um and there therefore you wouldn't be in these situations of what is a credible candidate how strong is a strong candidate because that gets sometimes, I guess, into opinions instead of facts. Well, let's keep moving on, and I actually kind of want to move back. Someone asked Wendy your opinion on the Democratic side of, of impeachment, and I guess there's been two schools of thought. Donald Trump's done wrong; he needs to be paid for it because it was illegal. Let's impeach him. Others are saying, "Well, this might hurt us politically. We need to get him at the ballot box because we're never going to get him in the U.S. Senate." Um, so therefore. We have to you know, kind of let his term play out and then win in 2020. Um, I understand both sides, and this is really before this latest. This latest, I think, has become where it's just a preponderance. It's just too much um, to let it go. But you being on the DNC, what are your thoughts of um, how do Democrats will or should approach this?
1: Well, I mean, I, again, I think you laid out really nicely sort of what the, the two sides from the Democratic perspective were, right? You saw uh, a lot of people thought that, uh, you know, the Re- Republicans uh, got a lot of backlash from the Clinton impeachment. But it it I see that as being a very different animal, so to speak, right, because the, the matters were just politics, you know. Just politics, but but particularly given the what's come out about Ukraine and you know what other additional shoes are going to drop. I mean, you have to look at it. You know, like just like we were saying, how is history going to look back on this? There, at at some point, you have to say this is not just uh, ineffective leadership, or it's not just an uncouth way of. Of speaking, or an incompetent way of preparing for uh, your foreign relations conversation. This is just wrong and crooked, and you just have to stand up and say enough. And and we've gotten to that point, And I am, I uh, I mean I don't want any of this to happen. I, I wish he weren't uh, participating in these activities that are are so troubling. Um, uh, but but unfortunately, I think there's a lot more out there, and I think more of it is going to come to light. I think the people who've already left his administration um, may feel like now is the time that they have to sort of come clean about everything they know, and it, it might get deeper uh, before we you know, get it resolved or get into actual impeachment hearings.
2: Yes, and I've got one more question in the same vein, and then Tim may have some other things. And that would be that this Ukraine situation involves one Democratic candidate, uh, the person that... When he started this whole process, was seen as the front runner, Joe Biden. Um, do you think all of this is a net positive or a net negative for Joe Biden the way he's been attacked? Uh,
1: I'm, I'm 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 not in any way seeing how it's a positive uh, for Biden himself. Uh, uh, I I I think I think Biden's in a no no win situation in a lot of ways. Because if you don't respond to the attacks and Trump is just gonna to continue to attack. He's just gonna to continue to tell lie after lie after lie about what what he is, you know, proposing that the the Biden you know, Biden's son might have done or how the vice president might be involved in it. And so there's that dilemma, right? Do you respond and the, the vice pres former vice president has responded, right? And and responded very clearly and very uh, succinctly, that there's there's nothing there to be talking about, um, but Trump's going to keep hammering at it. And so the question is, when when does Mr. Biden stop talking about it and
2: just? Well, uh, and on? I guess this is my line of thinking with it seeming like it could help him. One, um, when he gets attacked, he is seen as more sympathetic by. Um, the party, in particular, the more left side of the party, also it raises his profile in that it, it then underpins that electability argument. The reason that Donald Trump we went to these you know, drastic um, illegal measures is because um, he you know, saw the need to weaken Joe Biden because he couldn't defeat him you know, fair and square. Um, but I'll pass it to Tim for anything else he might have to wrap this up. Tim?
0: Yeah, I, and and staying, staying with that for just a minute, Wendy, uh, I, I it's been talked about by a lot of the pundits on the talk shows and stuff that the voters are simply getting fed up to the point of exhaustion. The voters are just exhausted with all of this, and that may be why anyone whose name is even connected with this particular issue, this Ukraine thing, the the voters may decide. You know what? Let's sweep this clean and start over. In which case, it would hurt Biden. Is that a fair assessment?
1: Oh, I certainly think it's a fair assessment. And 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 unfortunately, it it just adds another layer of question. Although David's right, you know, you know, uh, Trump's not going out and and attacking. Uh, people who he doesn't see are at the top of the heap, right? And Biden is clearly uh, a front runner, if not the front runner, by everybody's estimation. But I just think it adds to the that feeling of Lord, we've been here before, right? <laughs> of the Republicans telling lies and, you know, acting like there's some scandal on the Democratic side that isn't there, and it just gets all muddied, and it hurts you. Right? The mud mm-hmm. hurts you. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if there's no there there, uh, mm-hmm. the, they're not going to stop talking about it, and everybody's going to be sick of hearing it. And the people who watch Fox News have already decided that you know Biden did the same thing when he withheld aid previously because they weren't going against the corruption that was in the country, right? So I mean, it's mm-hmm. just it's a mess, and I and I don't think it helps anybody.
0: Mm-hmm. Now. Um, You know, I I mentioned that the polling is showing, and and Nate Silver, among others, have mentioned this, that um, Trump's overall approval rating has not really changed that much on on account of all this. Uh, Are people's positions on Donald Trump just pretty well set? And not to change
1: they they seemed to be right but uh-huh. i really feel like there something this past week or 10 days or however long it's been it feels like it's been forever but it's just been a you know a blink of the eye in a lot of ways so many different things that have come out right so you have all this ukraine scandal you have uh the stuff about the the snakes and the alligators on the in a moat on the border right you have shoot just shoot people just go ahead just shoot them right uh and and there are some people who are finally fed up with uh that sort of uh you know that cavalier i don't care what the law is i'm this is what i'm telling you to do and i'm president do it uh and there Mm -hmm. are people who are are finally i think getting a little sick of that and they don't They don't feel like that's how America is supposed to work.
0: So you think there's still a persuadable middle in the country, a measurable, persuadable middle that could move in a significant way one way or the other, uh, depending on how this turns out?
1: I I, I do. Uh, uh, Again, uh, two weeks ago, I wouldn't have felt that way. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, things are happening in a hurry, (laughs) that's for certain. That's that's all I got on this subject. Thank you, Wendy.
2: All right, well, let's kind of move on to something else, and that would be uh, the fact that we all live in the the state of Georgia, and Georgia quickly, um, a few uh, weeks ago, became really uh, maybe the most interesting state in 2020 politics because. Yes, it's uh, supposed um, to be, it uh, looks like it's going to be a swing state for the presidential election, but it has not one, but two Senate seats. One's an incumbent that will be running for his first reelection, David Perdue, and the other is just flat out open seat. And so, and the thought is that those seats will both be in play. Maybe not the number one targeter by any means, um, but one of the, say, two of the top five or six targets. Um, Wendy, kind of give us your thoughts on first, I guess, how um, Georgia lines up, and particularly, I guess, David Perdue running for re
1: Well, I think uh, David Perdue might need to be worried about what's uh turning for President Trump because David Perdue has been one of his strongest uh supporters, apologists, you know, go to guys for the president, and um. And he's not gonna be able to hide from that in a minute. Right? And uh, you know, his plan all along has been, you know, I'm with Trump, I'm with Trump, I'm with Trump and think that's gonna carry him. You have all these farmers who are angry, uh, because the aid was held up for so long, uh, from you know, the hurricane last year, right? It's it's there's a lot of bad things and although a lot of people will say and a lot of the pundits say well, Georgia just thinks they're purple. They're really still, you know, kind of leaning red. Um, I, I would say that, you know, there's they're not completely off base with that. But I don't think David Perdue, on his own, has connections to any part of the electorate other than the Republican elite. And and I don't mean by voters. I mean like just party insiders right like dozens of people not hundreds or thousands of people um you know his strength is just that he's going to have an r after his name and the question is will that still be a strength uh by the time we get to next november
2: yes and um i i guess you forget though that he was in charge of dollar general so those could be his people too his uh his uh, shoppers um the, well,
1: shoppers, the shoppers don't know who owns the
2: company name. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know they don't. I say that in jest. Um, uh. Since all generals become so controversial where they're opening so many stores and closing that everything else. Um, well, before we get into the other side of this with you, Wendy, I do want to ask Tim because we have yet to talk about this. Uh, other things have been on the plate. Um, for this open Senate seat, um, we knew that, you know, we have talked about names that may get appointed, but then uh, Brian Kemp went and did something very unorthodox, let's say. He opened it up for anybody in Georgia to um, fill out an online form, submit their res- resume or their curriculum vitae, and they can apply for this um, U.S. Senate seat. Uh, Tim, what do you think the angle is here? I mean, is this truly he he may find the diamond in the rough that wouldn't have he wouldn't have known about otherwise?
0: No, you know what? I think he's got a a, a small list of names that that he and his people are looking at now, but it it uh is good politics to do this. There there can't be no downside to doing this, especially if some name Republicans have put their names into the hat, as apparently has happened, you know, with some Congress critters expressing interest and, like, uh, uh, power people in the legislature expressing interest and both male and female expressing interest. So I think it's probably— politically speaking a good move on his part now will he pay attention to any names on that list does he already have his person picked i think he's got a pretty good idea of who he wants to put there but obviously he's going to play it close to the vest he's going to keep that name uh quiet as long as he can because uh It keeps interest in the thing, and it doesn't help the Democrats to know who they'll be running against anytime soon. So I think it was a smart move.
2: And the one thought question, Tim, is do you think that um,
0: it will take somebody
2: out of the running? You know, we talked about our big names. We mentioned, like, if it got to the situation where it was going to be incredibly difficult to hold and uh, Nathan Deal was going to be the only person to hold it. Um, would, would it be where if um, he wanted to pick Nathan d, uh, Deal and Nathan Deal said, I'm not filling that form out, I'm the former governor, would that just automatically take him out of the running? Is the person he's going to pick have to fill out this form?
0: No, I, d- I don't think so at all. I, I, re- I really don't think so at all. I, I still think Fill out the form, don't fill out the form. I believe that he already has a little handful of names, a quote short list um and and i and I got a feeling our d n c members going to agree with me on this. He already has a short list of people that he's looking at right now and has from day one. Would you agree with that, Wendy?
1: Sure. I absolutely agree that he's already got a short list. Now I I would disagree. I think that would be a a quite the tactical error to make to um uh, for him to have not made sure that whoever he's going to appoint filled the form out, even if they filled it out the day before he appointed them, right? Like I think I think then he looks like a <laughs> a bad guy, right? You can't say, I'm gonna do some big open process and then not have it be an open process. I think the reason that he may be doing this open process is to give himself cover, you know, for the dozens and dozens and dozens of people who think they're important to him who he doesn't appoint. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And it looks mm-hmm. some of them he can. Well, but you didn't, you didn't apply, right? I couldn't mm-hmm. pick you if you didn't apply. So I, I really think that's that's more what it's about. It's also a delaying tactic. Uh, as you say, it it hurts us more than it hurts any of them. Um, but I think I think he's. I, I don't know how much longer he can delay and expect his appointee to be able to get up to speed and uh, be ready to roll January one.
0: Yeah, but it's 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 one of the reasons that um, uh, a lot of our heavyweight Democratic candidates are are over in the other race and and not necessarily in this race because of the fact they simply don't even know who they'd be running against, right?
1: Right. Well, and the reality is that, that, uh, you know, qualifying isn't until next year, right? So people can move Uh around and switch around. Uh Just because you have a committee that says you're running for U.S. Senate doesn't mean you have to run for one seat versus the other seat, right? So uh, I think it'll be tricky for somebody to switch but but again his his delay is hurting us more than it hurts whoever he's going to appoint.
0: Mm. Makes sense. Yeah, and I'd like, like to I'd like to say one more thing, David, go Braves. Okay? <laughs> I'm
1: yes, I'm so, so excited that this is in one
2: uh so it's now two to one. Two to Randall one, bravos. This. All right. Um well, I guess y'all need to timestamp this so people will know when we're recording. Um well <laughs> another um another uh aspect of this, just in the past week, uh, I think Jan Jones who's in the state's legislature, um, she expressed her interest and uh Mute mm-hmm. Gingrich's daughter expressed her interest. And I know with the case of Jan Jones that she, you know, made a point of um you know, it's probably about time that a, that a woman wins Senate, given that the first U.S. senator was uh, Rebecca Felton, and, and they hadn't had one since. Um, do you think Brian Kemp will look at Georgia diversifying? And that could not only be by gender. That could be by race. But do you think that he will um, pick a non-white male, Wendy?
1: No.
2: That was that was short and simple. <laughs>
1: um. Did you, I mean, I could expound on it if you want me to, but uh, yeah, I just don't. I don't. I just don't think they get it yet. Um, you know, I think a few pundits get it, uh, but but they they do a the the party from the national level through the state level through, you know, even the the folks I see working at the more local levels, they they do not look at. Uh the women who are Republicans as people they need to worry about bringing into leadership it, if they do it feels just very token and not uh not like they mean it right
0: Wendy why are they why is their hierarchy that way i mean why 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 did they disregard totally the fifty five percent of citizens who are Women and secondly the fifty three percent of white females voters who voted for Donald Trump, why do they disregard them? Do you think
1: uh, they're happy for them to get the work done uh i mean it's just a I mean it's a patriarchal system i mean our i mean our whole country's still a very patriarchal <laughs> system, but their party is you know hanging on to it clinging. Clinging tightly, clinging tightly to uh, but, those uh, traditional but, roles and responsibilities. But
0: it looks like even they could count, right? I mean, count heads. I, I well, just Tim, don't... if they
1: could really count. They would, they would have been doing something to to reach out to voters of color, and and they have they have just doubled down, tripled down, quadrupled down on on racism and and stoking. Uh, racial tensions and divides and fears And, I mean, that's their that's certainly the president's modus operandi
0: mm-hmm. But why don't they look at a county like Gwinnett County And say, you know what, that isn't working Again, we're counting heads here They've got to be able to look at these election results in our very state since 2006 and just see them getting closer and closer and closer and they're starting to get just wiped out in the donut counties and they're losing uh, especially uh, highly educated female voters in droves i mean i I I don't know. I'm I'm an old political hack, Wendy. I'm used to counting heads, and the best way to do it, and the best way to get that majority of heads, and I'm I'm scratching my head about this. It's a losing proposition, as you say, and and they still are pursuing it. Right. Well,
1: I think that it's, you know, old habits are hard to die, and... Every you know you you might be uh, no spring chicken, but you're a forward-thinking person. And uh, and you know what uh, my one of my favorite old jokes is: if if you get in a car, you know if you want to go forward, you put it in D. If you want to go backwards, you put it in R. Right? Uh-huh. And that's just where they are. They're not uh, forward-thinking. They're not comfortable with progress. They're scared of this future that they see the power. Uh, being ripped away um, From You know the people who've had all the power And uh, and that is you know A majority of you know Caucasian men Right
0: hmm.
1: Okay
2: well, w- Wendy it's kind of a set up to my Next question um, I'll go ahead and tell you the, About three weeks ago we all came up with names We thought would be interesting And I came up with the one that I thought would be very interesting for the republicans and that would be ashley bell um uh, someone who's probably in the early 40s african-american male who actually supported donald trump in some fashion on some committee um and that would be a way to diversify their party and then knowing that that person would run for reelection in 2022 with kemp on the ballot would be a way for brian to look out for brian um, you know, because uh, to, to, I do think he has to look at that somewhat. But I'm not going to ask you what your thoughts is on that name. Do you have any names that, if you, I mean, like for some reason Brian Kemp ask your opinion, but you had to do it from a Republican perspective? Who are some of the names you think that would uh, either bode well for him, or who do you think he will pick? Well, I'm I'm going to resist
1: talking about my my friend Ashley Bell, um, because he and I got to know each other when he was really active with the young Democrats, right? And he worked for uh, John Edwards, if I'm remembering right, or was a surrogate for him, one or the other. I think that sort of knocks him out there in a lot of ways. Um, Although, you know, we've had, you know, governors who are Republicans who used to be Democrats, so so maybe my theory is out there. But uh, they... I kind of thought they might be on to something with um, there's some couple uh, of well-to-do and successful business women that had been mentioned. Um, And I apologize. Their names aren't coming to me right now. But but those are the ones I thought that if he was going to surprise people, uh, that he might go in that direction. Uh, It it would definitely have to. I don't see him picking um, any of the women who have been, Legislators, because uh, again, they haven't. They haven't. Uh, even if they have titles, they haven't been given power. It doesn't seem within the the Republican leadership. So I don't. I don't see him necessarily doing that. Uh, uh, the su- most surprising thing he would do is if he picked somebody younger than himself, right? Because he's sort of the, the the that next generation. The governor is uh, now. A lot of people were talking about B.J. Pack, but I understand that. B.J. Pack took his name out of consideration, and certainly hasn't applied. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm. It, it might be smart of him to do it for a long term plan, uh, but the reality is that whoever they pick uh, has got to be prepared, you know, to run a, uh, to you know, to stand up a statewide, uh, you know, twenty thirty million dollar race in. Less than a year, right? And, and then turn around and do it again um, for two years later, right?
0: Well, well, Wendy, there's three ways he could go. He could choose a placeholder. He could choose a power name, someone like Sonny Purdue, Nathan Deal, somebody like that. Or he could go completely out of the box and surprise everybody with this bold, aggressive pick. Of the three choices, what what do you think the governor would be most likely to do, or do we have any way of even having a clue?
1: I, I mean, again, I, I I think the the easy money, as the betters say, right, is to for him to get a same old same old, right, mm-hmm. or or find you know or find the next David Purdue, right, rich person. Uh, you know, uh, everybody's in love these days with self funders because money is such a huge part of uh, the mm-hmm. statewide campaign. So,
0: so I think our the name then is the most likely scenario.
1: I think whoever it is has to have a, a lot of money or a lot of resources, right? I mean, he might do something crazy and, you know, act like Newt Gingrich still lives in Georgia or something. You know, who knows? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay. <laughs> I like that. Well well Wendy, let's
2: get over to the other side of this thing. There's the um occupied seat by David Purdue, and we have Columbus Mayor Teresa Tomlinson, Clarkston Mayor Ted Terry, uh Sarah Riggs Amico, and John Osoff all announced for that seat. And then in the open seat we've only had Matt Lieberman, uh son of Joe Lieberman, announce on that seat. Um, so I guess he's the only announced candidate uh, that entire Senate seat since the Republican nominee hadn't been picked. Um, give us kind of your thoughts on what the yeah. two primary races are shaping up like thus far and if there's going to be any other uh, people to possibly look for.
1: Well, I mean, I certainly think that the, uh, there, you know, maybe more people who get in on the the Purdue seat, if you will, right, the full-term seat. Uh, I think our um, – uh, the Democratic side may be about set. Uh, you know, there are a lot of people still talking that, uh, you know, we're missing a, a significant candidate who's a person of color in that race. Uh, again, uh, the clock is ticking in terms of someone having to be able to stand up A campaign and and raise the millions of dollars to be competitive in the primary. And then, of course, the thing that makes uh, that second race, the open seat, so tricky is there isn't a traditional primary in general, right? So the November election next year will be an everybody run. Um, So they won't go through the primary primary process next uh, late spring, early summer, right? It'll just be everybody running in November. So... You know the the question is does the governor pick somebody who is strong enough uh that no up-and-comer says i could take them on i could beat them uh next year uh and and i don't think i don't think we i don't think anybody should count on that i think so much is going to happen at the presidential level and with this impeachment stuff um there. they're, they're It's all going to be mixed up, put in a blender and spun around. And and so I think anything we guess today, uh, we'll look back and probably chuckle at ourselves if we thought there was going to be anything simple about next November.
2: Yes. Well, let me ask you one more question, and Tim may have some more. Um, If someone came to you and asked your um, advice, if they wanted to run, would they be better in in just getting everything put in place and then waiting to see – what happens in that open seat, or should they just go ahead and jump into either the occupied seat with four candidates or the unoccupied five Count kind of David Purdue, or the um open seat that Matt Lieberman's jumped into?
1: well I mean I, I, I think we've we've got to have a longer conversation, right it, you know it depends on who it is right if it's If it's John Lewis, right? I tell John Lewis get in that open seat. Uh, win it have uh two years as our senator, and then retire with that as uh as your last uh as your last big piece of you know of your story of your heroic life right <laughs> um if it's if it's somebody who has not uh ever run for office before, I will ask them all why don't they run for something close to home right uh i'm I'm not a big fan of people who've never run for dog catcher running for u s Senate personally. Uh, I I think it's uh there's a lot of learning you have to do about campaigning and that's uh the US Senate campaign is uh right there. Uh there's there's not there's only really one other office that is a more complicated uh in terms of how campaigns go and that's running for president.
0: Yes.
2: Tim, anything else on this Georgia Senate race?
0: One more question uh, Wendy. Um if such a personage as John Lewis did that jumped into that open seat wouldn't it then force the governor's hand to perhaps do something different with that seat than what he had planned to do to start with wouldn't it be smart for someone of John Lewis's stature if they were going to run to go ahead and get in there right now
1: uh no i actually I still think that i think uh because we know the Governor has to make the appointment before the end of the year uh-huh. uh i i think I think it's okay to wait right now and see who he appoints mm-hmm. Right? Because I just think I think it makes all the difference in the world so right now all uh, this, uh Mr Lieberman has right is I want to be a senator mm-hmm. right, and I want to the mess in Washington but you know, we will have the, the more of the contrast of, you know, I wasn't going to run for Senate and then I saw this and I see all the mess in Washington and, you know, this person is not who should be representing. You've got to have the contrast. Like right mm-hmm. now in Georgia, it can't be all nicey, nicey. You know, I'm just running because I want to represent Georgia in the Senate. You know, I want to take Georgia to Washington. I mean, that, that's not going to be enough to cut it. We've got to have, we've, our people have to be, uh, Outwork out, outwork, outwork and outshine uh, the Republicans, right? Uh, you've sure. got to beat them, you can't just be yay and positive.
2: Mm-hmm. Makes sense, Wendy. For a second, I thought you were gonna say outwit, outlast, outplay, and I was like, that's survivor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on to our last. I well, think.
1: Let me add one more thing. You know, the I, I don't expect that Congressman Lewis is going to do it, um, but the person who I thought might be an interesting uh, person to take that on, you know, because I was thinking, you know, who is somebody who could keep other people out of the race? And it, you know, maybe it's just because I've known him for so long, and it's the first campaign I I really worked for. But uh, you know, Minority Leader Steve Henson has said he's not going to run for the state senate again, but. I don't know. Maybe that U.S. Senate seat might uh, might call his name.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, he definitely uh, would have experience to run for it. Unlike a few of the candidates that have jumped in so far, and the two seats. Well, let's move on to the presidential race. We've had a lot of debates. Um, you know, lots of candidates on the stage, and this was kind of a DNC process. And you're a DNC member. Tell us your thoughts on both a the debates and be the primary process so far?
1: Well, I mean, I think the, the, the debates have been interesting. Uh, you know, the additional forums that have been out there that have been televised have been in a lot of ways more interesting, right? Cause you get a little bit of long, you get a little bit deeper conversation than the, you know, than the two minute sound bites or a little bit of back and forth jabbing at each other. Um, i I keep trying to tell people we're a long way from having this nomination settled a long way, and uh i'm I don't quite understand uh, why people feel the need to have this wrapped up right quick um <laughs> That's just not the way things work or go or the way things have been historically and uh so i'm I think getting it down i think what are we down to twelve or eleven? for this next debate. Um, You know, a lot of people who think that's way too many. Obviously, the people who are supporting people who didn't get on that stage think it's not quite enough. Um, But I think we're going to probably have a field of probably eight going all the way into the new year uh, if folks' money holds up. And we'll know more about their money uh, when these next disclosures come out, although a lot of people have already offered up the millions of dollars they raised this quarter. so. And it's funny him. because, you know, people think the DNC had a lot to do with this process. And the DNC, as in the chairman and uh, and his staff, had a lot to do with the process. Um, but as DNC members, uh, the only real input we've had, you know, people, we've made it clear that we wanted the process delineated early. Uh, so people weren't saying that the DNC had put their finger on their scale uh, to help or hurt anybody. And I feel like, um, you know, the interesting twist at the last DNC meeting, we had a big debate and, and battle and a big contentious vote about whether we were going to have a single issue debate as one of the official DNC debate about climate change. And um, and I was on the side that says, you know, how do we pick one Issue over the dozens of issues that are of critical importance to the nation right now, and I think we have had forums that have dug into the climate change issues, um, and and folks are addressing that. The campaigns are addressing that.
2: Yes, Tim. Questions for Wendy about the debate process, and then the general—I mean, the race itself.
0: Uh, Wendy, I'm I'm looking at the the. Latest polling data, and I see 11 candidates who have 1% or more, and the rest do not. Do you think, um, when we're looking at these debate lineups, that the voters are looking at it pretty much seeing the same people on the stage debate to debate, and it's getting baked? in the primary voters' heads already that there are actually just a little limited number, maybe three or four of the candidates who could realistically win the nomination.
1: I mean, that's what a lot of people are saying, but I'm telling you, where were – I mean, I i haven't looked at the polling, and maybe y'all have, but but where were we in October – you know, the year before, nobody ever heard of Jimmy Carter, and he ended up president. Yes, all of us yes. thought Donald Trump was a joke because he was, and he's our mm-hmm. thinking president, right? Like time and time again, Obama, nobody knew his name in October of the year before. Well, a handful of people did, but you know what I'm saying? He was not. And 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 so, what happens in the primaries matters, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just about who raises money and and has a not a, you know a successful debate uh, a year before the election, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's the the primary process. It, it goes to the voters, right? Mm-hmm. And so people would have told you, people on a show like this would have said, oh, America's not ready for a black president. Not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Not going to happen. Right? We, they, said, they said, America's not ready for a woman to be president. And she wasn't president, but by golly, she won the popular vote by 3 million votes, right? So mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think we need to have time for at least a few voters to weigh in uh, the the primary right now is about who's going to have the money to, to keep a team together uh, to compete in those early contests and maybe be the surprise.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. But this is an overviolence shot, and, and people are not remembering, right? The Republican Party, the reason that Trump was able to secure the nomination is because so many of their states are winner-take-all. The Democrats, I don't think we have any state that's winner-take-all. It's all mm-hmm. based on how candidates do in the congressional district as well as statewide, the way those delegates are divided up. And mm-hmm. I see us having a, a hard time, uh, unless a whole bunch of people run out of money, I see us having a hard time seeing someone with a direct path to the number to clinch the nomination as early as we've sometimes seen that.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, uh, when they're on the stage, uh, we, we know from, from polling that we've seen that by far, even though these other issues are, are very noteworthy, and I'm glad our candidates are talking about them. But by far, the number one issue, and it's going to remain that, is Donald Trump and, and who is the person who can defeat him. But based on that, do you believe that the candidates should turn their attention to, shall we say, more aggressively uh, going after Donald Trump in these debates than they have so far?
1: To be honest with you, I I am delighted when we don't talk about Donald Trump in these debates because mm-hmm. we all know that to be a given, right? We all mm-hmm. know we've got to beat him. We all know, well, I I hope we all know, all of our candidates down to number 25 or 26 would make a sight better president than this man has made. But Mm -hmm. what we need to do is we need these debates to be having our candidates being able to share their clear vision for, A, their leadership qualities, and B, the particular policies that set them apart from each other.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And
1: and their and their capacity to put those plans and policies and ideas into action.
0: Hot, that makes so it's like I'm really
1: <laughs> I'm really intrigued by uh Andrew Yang, right? And uh-huh. this uh this uh what does he call it, dividend, um freedom dividend, right? Like I'm mm-hmm. intrigued by that. I don't think for a minute uh he'd necessarily be able to deliver that. But but it's an interesting thing for us to talk about, right? And I and I particularly think his, his conversation about how jobs and our economy are changing uh, is a conversation we need to be having, right? So I'm glad mm-hmm. he's there for that. Do I think he's going to be the nominee? No. Um, but I think we've got to have some candid conversations uh, about the future and the kind of leadership it's going to take to help us with these transitions that are really just beginning in terms of how our – the realities of our day-to-day lives Are are going to continue to be Impacted by technology
0: And, and the other side of course when, when we are talking about Some of these new issues Are using the S word Socialism, socialism, so, socialism But I don't believe That old dog's going to hunt Next year, do you?
1: Uh, I, 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 I oh Gosh, I would love for you to be right Tim, but I'm scared to death that you know they'd call you and me a socialist, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Because uh, they're they're gonna. The Republicans are not anchored by worrying about the truth. Uh huh. They
2: yes. Well, guys, um, it looks like we've kind of wrapped up an hour. Uh, Wendy, thanks for joining us tonight.
1: Sure. Thanks a lot. Y'all have a good evening. Yeah. Good night, And
2: until next week, it's for the Kudzu Vine. Night, everybody.
0: We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united
1: America still be a force for?